0: Hello, welcome back to Becoming Tāne podcast. My name is Apa Wātine. This is the second episode of season one. I'm so glad that you decided to join me today on our journey to grow great guys. Before we talk about today's podcast, let me give you an update. We have a website. Woohoo! The website address is www.becomingtane.men That is www.becomingtane.men So if you would like to contact us via email, you can send your emails to info at becomingtane.men And we're also on Facebook at becomingtane.men the title of today's podcast is called "Chase Your Dreams, and our guest today is John Gillette. Before we speak to our guest today, let me give you some background information on Johnny. Johnny was born in Hamilton. He has one sibling and older sister. He attended Melville High School. Following high school, he moved to Auckland to pursue a professional rugby league career. A few years later, he returned to education where he studied at Wintech and completed a Bachelor of Sports and Exercise Science degree. Unfortunately, an injury curtailed his promising rugby league career, but eventually it led Johnny to the health and fitness industry where he has been for the last 30 years. Johnny was one of the first personal trainers at Les Mills in Hamilton before it was a thing and worked there for a number of years. Johnny has worked with a number of elite athletes from rugby, rugby league, aerobics and crossfit over the years. Johnny has been involved with strength and conditioning training for professional rugby teams including the Waikato Chiefs, the Korean and Hong Kong national team and the Māori All Blacks. Johnny is the owner, director and head trainer at CrossFit Waikato where he has been working for the last few years. Johnny currently has a partner with two sons, Jackson and Cash. Cash is named after one of his idols, Cassius Clay. So the first question that I have for you, Johnny, today is what events in your life have the greatest impact on you? Okay, I guess the course of my life from a
1: very young age, when I say young, maybe 13, 14, 15, up to the age of 19, was so um, because of uh, you know the success through the age groups playing rugby league, um, I decided at a very young age that I wanted to pursue a professional rugby league career. So from you know 14, 15, onwards up to 19, that's what I had my heart and soul set on. However, I think I was about 17. I ched um, my ACL playing league. Back in those days, there wasn't the um, technology to repair ACLs. So I continued to play on it for a couple more years and um, just kept on injuring my knee, just kept on playing on it, injuring it. So by the time I was 19, which was my last year in Auckland, playing for the um, Mangere's League team, the the knees kind of gave out and went to a surgeon who was starting to do knee reconstructions. And he looked at my knee and said, no, mate, you you need to give up the game. You've got the knee joint of a 50-year-old now if you continue to do what you're doing to it, you'll probably be crippled by the time you're 30. So um, that was a major uh, life-changing event for me and um, made me kind of pursue what I ended up doing, which
0: was a um, life in the fit, health and fitness industry. The same injury today, John, how long can one recover from that sort of injury?
1: Oh, you know, you, you, I, I've lost count of the number of leg players that have done the ACLs today and, and they're normally... They're back within six months, I guess. It's, it's normally a, a, a season ending. So it's still quite a major surgery today. Like you're not back within a month, but uh, a season down and you're good to go the following year.
0: The other thing I wanted to ask you is, was rugby league the sport that you were always passionate about? Well, my father was a Māori or Black, so
1: I grew up following rugby union. And um, I was always a staunch uh, Melville Melville boy uh, growing up Because that's who my father played for And just following him around as a young fella And used to idolise his, his, uh, his days as a as, um, as a rugby player And I wanted to be like my dad But um, yeah, after discovering Rugby League That, that's, that, that changed,
0: um, I enjoyed it a bit more than, than Rugby Union But uh, pretty much I'm going to take a back step So my brother was saying Who's this white boy But yet your dad was a Māori or Black how yeah. come they referred to you as the white boy? Oh, well, uh, back in those
1: days when I had hair, um, it was very blonde. And so I was a bit of a throwback. Um, they used to call me waka blonde. But um, so, yeah, if I ran on the field, I'm not the darkest guy around either. Um, they thought I was European, which is which fine. But I always um, identified with my Māori side because, you know, growing up, I um, used to hang out with my Māori family more than my Pākehā family. And that and they kind of used to infuriate me when they used to, you know give me a bit of stick on the field like, oh let's 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 get that parkio boy, and I'd be like, no, I'm not a park man I'm gonna get you for saying that, <laughs> so you got it all the time not all the time, no, I think after a while um you know uh being in for a season or two they knew um a bit more about my background, my ethnicity um was obviously a bit more apparent, especially once I spoke, <laughs> but it wasn't um it wasn't um something that stuck around my
0: whole leg career. You see, you idolised your dad a bit. Tell me how your relationship was with your dad. Back in those days, the relationship was a lot different. You know,
1: um, your father said something and you just did it. I think, I, I, you don't know this, but, you know, my, my relations and that said that um, growing up, I was always the apple of my father's eye. I mean, you know, he loved his daughter, my sister, but, um, you know, I was the only boy and um, I guess, you know, he... He loved his sport, and I think he he really enjoyed following my league career once he'd retired and hung up his boots. What were some key lessons that he taught you? He was always a hard worker, whether he was, you know, working for a living or when he was training. used to watch him as a kid, you know, training himself. And, you know, even back then, it was um, pretty basic training. But, you know, they used to hit the road, so I used to follow him on my push bike, and he'd be running and... um, He had an old railway bar with little railway um, wheels on the ends and and he used to lift that and and skip and, you know, and I said, wow, man, it's pretty cool. And just watching him work out. So um, that kind of training was instilled in my brain at a very young age. You know, to get fit, you got to work hard for it. I guess that, that, you know, developed me and and my personality and and what I believed in growing up.
0: As I mentioned, uh, you've been in the fitness industry for about 30 odd years. And you initially mm-hmm. started with Les Mills, but you're mm-hmm. currently you're an owner and um, director of CrossFit Waikato. How yeah. long has yeah. that business been up and running?
1: I opened that up in 2012, so we're in our eighth year now. Yeah, that was just, um, you know, when CrossFit was first coming out, and and I guess with with training my clients, um, you know, it was doing personal training back back in 2008, 2009, 2010. I I was starting to develop my programs to do the big multi-joint training, you know, like squats with dumbbells and then a press at the top. So they doing a squat press and CrossFit call that thrusters. I'm doing a lot of, um, you know, cleans and presses and just, the, I started to develop that training because, you know, most, of, most of my clients wanted to tone up and lose weight. And I found, well, the best way to do that is a lot of multi-joint training because it burns up a lot of energy, a lot of calories, gets their heart rate right up, gets them sweating, gets them puffing. And, uh, That's how I was starting to develop all my training for my clients and myself. And then one of my one of the bros rang up and said, "Hey man, you know you're training. um, Have you ever heard of CrossFit?" And I know. And so he said, "You should look it." I just saw something on it, and so I did look it up. And I thought, "Wow, yeah, that's very similar to what I'm doing now." But with CrossFit, they do a lot of stuff in regards to time. You know, like they do set amount of exercises and do four sets of those exercises and time yourself. So. The CrossFit gave me time to workouts or rounds to work out so many rounds and so many minutes. That just added another level of intensity to the workouts. That, that was how I kind of got into CrossFit. Loved it. My CrossFit gym's not an elite CrossFit gym by any stages of imagination, but you know we have a really good funo vibe down there, and uh, there are some. Don't get me wrong, there's some awesome athletes in there, but we're not so much focused on competitive CrossFitters such as just having a good hard workout and, and just enjoying that for what it is and, and I think that's what stands us out from from the other CrossFits.
0: So with your experience with professional athletes why did you not stay in the elite field? I think CrossFit is a young man's sport that elite elite level it's uh, I don't know it, it's
1: quite kind of a fickle little group at that top uh, level of, of CrossFitters and um, maybe because I'm older now and I can't be bothered with that. I'd rather just, you know, just look after, you know, my group and, and my gym are um, late thirties, forties. Um, so they are um, not past their best, but Prime uh, is definitely, you know, a few years ago, so along with mine and that's fine.
0: Have you had any mentoring in terms of running your business?
1: Yeah, I have, especially in initial stages, setting up my business with a business plan and that sort of thing. I used uh, Kim Hill as my business mentor, and she trains with me now, and she's always um, asking me, am I doing this? Am I doing that?
0: What do you wish you had known before you started this journey of, of running a business?
1: I think when you have your own business, like the rewards far outweigh the negatives, but if there is a negative, when you're in your own business, it never goes away. It's with you 24-7, whether you like it or not. You know, you're always worrying, um, am I getting enough members? I've lost a member. I need to get some more members in. You know, you've got your uh, GST. you got your provisional taxes. There's so many things. Like, you can't just go go to work, do your hours, and come home and, and forget about it for the day. You, you've always got those sort of things that, that are always going to never let you totally get away from the business. You know what I mean? For me, you know, I've always like, okay, do my programming. is exciting for them. Challenging is it also stimulating them? Is it, but also most of all, is it safe? Um, you know, so all those sort of things. You know, and then some people may come to me with an injury or, or something that's happened for whatever reason, and so you've got to adapt programs individually in a group environment. So the, it's challenging for me, and um, just keeps me on my toes. The thought of me going to work under someone else's roof with a whole lot of other different strangers, so I, I, I think that I'm, I'm lucky to do what I do and have my own business.
0: Within the Waikato area, there are a number of organisations that are supporting men in their journey. One of these organisations is the Male Support Services of Waikato. The founder and manager of the organisation is Mike Holloway, and he is here to share with us what their services is all about.
2: I started because there's no support for uh, followers. The other. Everything was pretty much perpetrator-based, been a survivor myself, I'd go through the ropes with my family and we were virtually asked to set something up. 2008 uh, was when we registered the trust. At the beginning, it was just myself and it was just one-on-one with other survivors and virtually walking some of the journey with them. There's guys who have been uh, sexually abused as kids or at some stage in life. And We're not talking about perpetrators, we're talking about uh, victims. The trust has really grown, so we do still do the one-on-ones We've got three or four groups going. We also support the families. We do social work. Do anything that will move the guy forward, court work, anything. It's great. So we're getting about two and a half referrals a day. So so we're looking at perhaps a new building. I want to grow the work in prisons. We extended it from sexual abuse to physical, mental, emotional and domestic abuse. So we need to try and hook them with the DHB schools, etc. and look at co Māori. If a guy wants some support here in
0: the Wākato-Hamilton uh, region, how do they get in contact with you?
2: We don't have a lot of paperwork for referral, so it's just a phone call or an email or a text or on the website. Just a quick notification and we'll contact them and then we'll sort it out from there and make it as easy as possible. Survivors.org.nz 0800 677 289 The Trust is a taonga for our men in the Waikato and what we're trying to do is saying, Waikato look after their men.
0: The website again is Waikato and their number is 0800 677 289. Kilda, welcome back, Johnny. What is your superpower? My definition is, of this is what makes you you?
1: Well, I suppose after. So many years of, of training individuals, um, groups, teams. I can I think it's something that I can do is as read people and to see if they uh, if they are actually being honest with me, or are they trying to pull the wool over my eyes and give me bullshit? For example, you know I still have a lot of um, personal training uh, as well as my CrossFit Waikato and most of the clients would want to see me to tone up, lose weight, tone it up, lose weight. And so obviously a big part of that is, um, is nutrition. In fact, it's about 90%. So with every person that comes to me with that, apart from the training, which is the little bit of the equation, I give them a nutrition plan and they may come in uh, a week for a week later and, and and have a weigh in and I'll be like, okay, so let's weigh in and see where you're at. And you know, they'll go, Oh my God, I haven't lost any weight. I've been so good. And I'll, I could sniff bullshit within seconds if they have or if they haven't, you know. It's, it's just, I guess it's the years of dealing with people in that situation. I could tell if they're actually genuine or if they're, they've been cheating and not doing it as they should have. And that, that was the same with professional rugby teams too. I could tell if they were genuinely pushing themselves or they were just holding back and just faking what they're doing, you know. I can tell when they're actually genuinely fatigued and I needed to back off or I needed to smash them a bit more and um, get a bit more out of them. So I don't know if that's a superpower, but that's something that I've developed over the years is is to tell if people are being honest with me or if they're giving me bullshit.
0: Uh, Let me read what your significant other wrote down as your superpower. They actually gave me three, but they highlighted your number one superpower. And it actually relates to what the person that I contacted said about you. So, uh, you know, I think there's a whole lot of truth in this. So Uh your significant other said uh, your number one superpower is that you're fiercely loyal. Johnny is a fiercely loyal person as a partner, father, friend, or family member. Johnny is also a very passionate person who always puts people he loves above himself so oh, that's that's nice isn't it <laughs> a little bit different to, to reading people
1: yeah yeah
0: why do you think both of these people identify you as a loyal person above anything else
1: for me my, my family always comes first and those that are close to me and if I have uh, friends that I've known for a while and and um, again I, I can tell if people are loyal to me then I'll be loyal back but you know, you just have that sense about different things Of when, when it comes to friends. Family is, is always your family no matter what they do, you know, and um, you'll ride and die by the sword with your family and it's something that's been ingrained as well as part of a team. For me, when when I did play league, uh, my biggest fear wasn't wasn't the opposition, it was letting my teammates down, you know, and you didn't want to be that guy that missed the tackle or or dropped the ball, or, or something like that, that caused you know team to lose a game. Or so, despite the number of years that I haven't played league now, I, I will never forget you know certain tackles that I missed throughout my career.
0: That just I never ever forget. I was going to say, you know, loyalty isn't something that is valued that much today. It's interesting that this. As a trait that these people have identified for you. You see, your family always comes first. Was there any particular experience that reinforced to you that family should come first? No, I don't think it's any particular experience that I, that I can
1: remember. But, you know, when you think of what it takes to bring a child into the world and to bring them um, all the things that come with it, um, raising a child, then you know, I'm always going to be forever grateful to my parents for what they did for me. We never had an extravagant upbringing. We were just, you know, an average family. Um, my dad was a sharer, a farmer, you know, and my mum was a, a legal secretary. So, but, um, you know, just good, honest people that worked hard for a living and gave me food every day and a house over my head. So, you know, you never want to take those things for granted. And I think that's something that, yeah, uh, maybe today's generation uh, expected rather than are thankful for it. I don't know. It's it's kind of different today, isn't it? I think when I was growing up too, we always spent a lot of time with, with family. You know, my father came from a big family, so we were always together at Raglan and uh, always cherished those times. And um, they never judge you or anything. And the good thing about whānau is they knew you when you were a baby, and they, and they didn't care who you are or what you've done in your life, you're still just John John. That's what people yeah. call me, John John. And you know that they'll always got your back just as much as you, you have theirs in difficult situations.
0: What is masculinity? Masculinity to me is uh, stepping up, being the man in whatever role is required. Uh, at the time masculinity is openness it is empathy it is vulnerability basically a big strong manly figure it is an oak tree solid strong not easily moved and doesn't have to prove itself it's an outward manifestation of inner strength and character but it also feels gender linked Masculinity, I think straight away about teira tane. So we have teira tane, te wahine, and ira atua. feminism, masculinity, and spiritual um, dimensions that make us up is teira tangata. Uh, are the roles that men play in society? The provider, the tough sports, the teaching the sons how to be a man, those types of roles.
2: Masculinity. Um... It's the form of energy that
0: uh, we as men produce.
1: Uh, it differentiates us from gender identities.
0: For me, masculinity means how each man conducts himself. What is your definition of masculinity? Kia ora, welcome back. Earlier on, you, you mentioned you did your ACL that would have been quite tough for you mentally, physically, and also emotionally. How did you get through that? Oh, geez, it was, it was a tough time
1: because, you know, that was um, a dream that I'd been working for for, you know, five or six years, you know, in terms of trying to train my body to, to get up to that level of professionalism um, and to have that taken away was, yeah, it was pretty um, devastating for me. Um, and my family because they knew how much I, I wanted to do that and what I worked up for. You know, with that setback because I'd done a lot of training in the gym and always eating properly and that I, I also developed a passion for fitness. And so that was my next way to, to get over that disappointment was okay, well let's look at something that that I also enjoy doing. And that's that's what I ended up doing with that, you know, to get the academic side of things, I always had a had a practical side of of training. And so getting the, you know, the Degree to back up my um, myself as a creditable trainer or something that I found hard, but you know with the application uh, it was it was done. But you know I, I can actually remember at high school, you know, and this was they'd never do this now. But my PE teacher at the time, you know, he said, you know, John, what what do you want to do if if you can't play the league? And I said, oh, I'd like to actually do what you do, sir. You know, PE teacher or something like that. And, um, and he said to me, Gee, I don't know if you'd be able to do that. You're you know you're dumb, and I was like, hey to be fair, I, I didn't study as hard as I should have at school. But I think, man, you shouldn't ever, ever say that to people, eh, you know, because mm. nobody's dumb. They just choose not to apply themselves in the academic area. So when I did get my degree, I actually thought of him and thought, oh, well, I wish you could see me now, mate. Johnny, what life put you so far? I think um, I've learned a lot about myself in, um, in terms of trying to be a bit more patient with people. I've been told that I do have a short fuse, so just trying to work with that a bit of feedback, trying to you know learn how to you know count to ten or, or take a few breaks if I if I feel myself getting a little bit um, heated. But most most of all, I think it's everybody gets setbacks in life, no, no matter who you are or what you do, and it's it's just having the ability to um you know take take whatever setback it is on the chin and Having the, the determination, focused to, if something didn't work, find another way to make it work or, or set another goal. You know, for, for me, it was the goal of, of being a professional league player, but didn't work. So after that major disappointment, setting out to, to chase my other passion, which was the, the health and fitness area and doing what I needed to do to, to be successful in that area. And I'm sure there's going to be, you know, more disappointments to come in terms of running my business that, you know, can't be helped, but you just stay on track with with what your goals are and and don't let any setback deter you from uh, pushing forward. That's something that I've learned over the years anyway.
0: So your business is called CrossFit Waikato. Do you have a website? Do you have a Facebook page? How can they get in contact with you, Johnny?
1: Yeah, so we have a web page. It's just CrossFit Waikato.nz. And yeah, there's there's a link on there if you want to contact me. I've got all my contact details on that website. So um, I'm also doing personal training still. So even if anyone's interested in personal training, then there's my contact details on my website. And you run a Facebook page as well? I do. It's a private page just okay. for um, my members, but it's uh, just CFW. So short for CrossFit Waikato CFW Fano 2014 was when I set that up. It's got CFW Fano 2014.
0: Now, are you one of these flash people that have Instagram?
1: Yes. I don't know how to use it too good though, but yes, I do.
0: (laughs) Do you know what your handle is for Instagram? I think it's um, Waikato CrossFit. Well, just to close us off, Johnny, is a last bit of advice. What bit of advice would you give someone or, you know, if there was one thing that uh, someone could take away from our quarter today, what would that be?
1: I think for me, you know, with what I do, I love what I do. I, I'm passionate about my job and it's the most rewarding job that I have when, you know, I might get someone come in who's grossly overweight and, you know, they're in the 20s and their 30s, grossly overweight. You look at them and think, man, if this guy doesn't do something for himself, he's going to be dead by the time he's 40 and and changing that person's life in terms of what they do activity wise nutrition wise and making them lean fit healthy those things are the most rewarding times of my career because you know that you've probably saved that guy's life or that girl's life and they so happy to what they've achieved so what I'm getting at with that is is chase your passion and don't let um, negative people put you off you know like like I, I said before, about a teacher at school that said oh, I was too dumb to get a degree. Don't let anyone talk to you like that, or you know, let them talk to you like that, and um, and prove them wrong. You know, it's a fact of life that people are always going to, especially in New Zealand, knock you down before you you do what you you're going to stand up. So um, stay focused and stay true to what you want to do, and anything is, is achievable if you, if you work hard towards it. You know, just be relentless, and the rewards will come. There's so many things that I'm thankful for. Could have easily uh, having my lead career ended just gone and you know being a farmer or being a sharer or something like that but it's not a passion and there's nothing wrong with it you know that's a great great job but it, it wasn't my passion so um i think i'm lucky to wake up and, and think oh cool man I'm, I'm looking forward to going to work today and um and and meeting all my my members who are like my my second whanau and you know we laugh we joke we train hard and um that's my that's my
0: day i'm lucky there's that quote, of, if you follow your passion, you'll never work a day in your life. No, that's dead right. And that's why I i think I'm one
1: of the lucky few that, that actually uh, enjoy going to work every day. Don't get me wrong, I do get a bit ho on the odd day, but in general, I, I love my job.
0: Traditionally, barbershops have been more than just a place for a haircut. Barbershops are safe spaces for men where they can socialise and talk. In Hamilton, Reggie's Barbershop is one of those barbershops and that has been operating since 2005. At Reggie's Barbershop, you not only get a quality cut, but you get a great environment, great barbers, great conversation and you're made to feel more than just a number. You don't have to believe what I say. Here are some of the feedback that Reggie gets. This is the best barbers ever. Reggie is so friendly and does exactly what you're asking for. He did an amazing job with my husband's hair. Reggie's is always buzzing. Such a great atmosphere and a great asset to Frankton. Sometimes the cues are out the door. During summer the music is always pumping. My son loves getting his hair cut here. In my experience, Reggie's is the best barbershop in Hamilton. I get my hair cut at Reggie's every month and I take my three sons there. The people are friendly and they give a great cut and it's a great price. You guys are amazing, amazing haircuts, great uplifting cordial to Mickey. Love the way they cut my hair and trim my beard. They really listen to what you want and are always keen for yarns. Awesome atmosphere created by awesome people. My husband got his haircut and bed trim, and the barber took time to talk and gave a very personalized service. Always a cool vibe at Reggie's, nice and chilled, few laughs, great atmosphere. Me and both of my boys come here regularly. Love that atmosphere vibe. Toddler loves the stylish cuts, mummy loves the competitive process. So, if you want a great cut, great company, great conversation, visit Reggie's Barbershop. Shop 1 40 Lake Road, Frankton, Hamilton, or call 07 847 5275. Thank you for listening to Becoming Tane podcast. We appreciate the love and support. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend about it. If you would like today's show notes, you can find it on our website at www.becomingtane.men forward slash podcast If you'd like to contact me, my email is info at becomingtane.men You can also find us on Facebook at Becoming Tani. Our next episode will be featuring a teacher from my kids' kura or school uh, Rotungahiri or Forest Lake Matt Tabram, also known as much Matt by my kids Before I go today, I want to remind you that the Becoming Tane podcast is about growing great guys. So let's keep growing to be the best we can be. Mauri